Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mindful You podcast. Purpose of the podcast is to expand our awareness and understanding and experience of this metaphysical concept that we label as mindfulness, presence, emptiness, the unknown, the unformed, the unmanifested. I look at it as a the ability to erase things. And when you erase a something, you're left with a space. And there used to be a something there. Now I've erased it. Now there's an empty space. And we call that empty space, no thing. So mindfulness has a lot to do with the ex exploration of, of nothing. And our guest today, fun, enthusiastic, experience the ups, experience the downs, and has an energy and enthusiasm which drives the engine through spaces that some people might get capsized in, and he uses it to strengthen himself. He has a book called Warrior to Warrior. And how can you... Uh, develop the ability, develop the skills to when the boat does get capsized, you can right-size it up quickly. He makes a distinction I like between being self-conscious or self-aware. He makes a distinction between people having conversations versus confrontations and be it and being able to be present stable right side up when the waves start happening in your life the emotional ups and downs start happening in your life is a skill that takes practice and martin has been practicing and experiencing this ability to maintain that stability as you view and perceive life situations. So, wow, let's talk to Martin. Come on. Please welcome Martin to the Mindful You podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Mindful You podcast, and welcome to our guest today, Martin Salama. He is a very interesting fellow. He's going to be sharing with us his journey, his journey into, I will call it being more productive 
being more present, being more mindful. And if you can do these various things, whatever you touch, whether it be increase in sales, whether it be improved relationships, anything that you touch, if you follow a certain way of thinking, will lead to more gold than to lead. So I'd like to welcome everyone, and please welcome Martin to our Mindful You podcast. Hello, Martin. Hi, Alan. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be with you. Well, thank you very much for being with us and being with our audience today. Let's start with a question, but just take us back a little bit into the past. And what is sort of the foundation, the conditioning that you experienced that causes you to see the world a certain way? What were the mm. defining moments that you shared earlier on your right. on your path of, of consciousness? Right. Well, well, I think I have to go back to really pretty much when I was 10 years old for the first real defining moment. And uh, there's a reason I go all the way back there. Uh, it was a tragedy in my life. And it's about 50 years ago now. It's a little over 50 years ago that this happened. I was 10 years old. And uh, this tragedy happened because I was walking home from school and there was a school bus stopped in front of our house. I was walking with one of my four older sisters. And as we got closer, we realized the school bus wasn't moving. It was just sitting there. And the bus driver was standing in front of our house. And as we got closer, my mother came running out of the house, carrying my five-year-old brother, Michael, in her hands. She jumped in the car and drove away. We came to find out that when Michael got off the bus, he dropped something in front of the school bus, reached down to get it. The bus driver didn't see him and drove and unfortunately hit him. And four days later, he passed away from the injuries from that from that uh, bus accident. And how old and how old were you, Mike Martin? I was 10. You were 10 years old. And you had that experience. Yeah. That's that's definitely that a tragedy. Yeah. And this this tragedy affected everybody in my family, as you sure. would imagine. Sure. The baby of the family. Uh, my my parents were devastated. My sisters, my older sisters were, as was I. And for me, I told myself a story in the ensuing days. Uh, and that story was, you know, I had this brother who I was going to set the world on fire with. He and I, we were going to just, we were going to control, the, we were going to, you know, be kings of the world together. Wow. What a story. You know, and, but, and now he was gone. And what my story I said to myself was, I now have to have the, the put on my burden, on my shoulders, the legacy. I have to continue the legacy. I have to make sure that the Salama name continues. I have to make sure that I make my parents proud. And I never want them to be sad again. So it's my job to make sure they're always happy. And I can look back now and recognize at that moment, I became a people pleaser. So, so you had a, 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 a almost a program, a script, a thoughts, a, a a a meaning of life now. Yeah. Based on that experience, and once it was embedded in your consciousness, you began to play the role of whatever that script said, which it was became people, the truth. People it became pleaser. the truth in my world. Yep. Yep. And and your behavior then corresponded with that truth. Exactly. Yeah. And whether the behavior led to satisfaction or appropriate or inappropriate, we'll find out. Right. right. Exactly. And that's the journey we're going to take together today. Yep. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's who I became. I became a people pleaser, always trying to please my parents, always trying to make everybody else around me happy. Wow. Uh, I, I love I got, people I, like you. I love people like you. I tell you, you ask them to do things. You're the people who will do everything for you. Appreciate yeah. That. God needs people like you, Martin. All right. People they do, but as long as they understand the balance. Of oh, the, no, the they don't understand the balance. No, I don't want them to be thinking about that. Just do it. <laughs> they, All right. They balance. Balanced. Yeah, the balance. I got the balance thing. I appreciate you, Alan. Really, thanks so much. This has been a great interview. Have a good day. <laughs> No, but seriously, uh, but that people pleaser mentality went on to when I got married. I was trying to please my wife. I was trying to please my family, my parents. And it took me pretty close to 40 years to recognize I was a people pleaser. But the irony of it was I was pleasing no one. And the <laughs> least of all was myself. <laughs> Woo. So, Yeah. And that came as a result of going through this almost 40-year journey of doing these things and always trying to make everybody else happy and never realizing that I'm not because I would rationalize that the things I was doing was for the greater good. But what I've come to learn is that the word rationalize, and I talk about this in my coaching, is really two words. It's really two words. It's, and I'll pull out a card of mine in my card deck. Rational lies. Okay, so I'll read the card to you. Whenever you think you may be doing something that goes against your values, you'll rationalize all the reasons why it's okay. What you're really doing is lying to yourself that it's rational to think that. They're nothing more than rational lies. So think about things that you might do, like you'll wake up in the morning, you know, I'm too tired to exercise today. I don't think I'm going to. Are you really too tired or are you coming up with a reason why you shouldn't? And now that you're aware of it, you realize it's really not a reason. It's an excuse that's really a rational lie. Because most of the times, if you start exercising 10 minutes in, you're like, I'm so glad I decided to do this. So now imagine you do that in your daily event. Somebody comes and asks you, can you do something for me? And your people pleaser is like, yeah, I want to figure out how to do it. And it doesn't matter if it goes against what I really believe. If I can make that person happy, then why not do it? Even if it goes against my core, core values. And if it goes against your core values, there's, it's a, it creates a friction. It's like rubbing against something, it, creating a heat and a friction, which probably creates a, a dis-ease uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally, especially if you are a, a people, people pleaser addict. Uh, right. You're like you're like king people pleaser. Sounds like that's what I was. Yeah. I, now I call myself. It's funny you use that word people pleaser addict. I call myself a recovering people pleaser. OK. All right. All right. I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Right. Be, because sometimes I will fall back into it. And it's about me readjusting and saying, wait a minute, am I doing this for the right reasons? But that, that that's a that's an important uh, insight in the mindfulness business, because you have to catch the action before you do the action and ask what's the source of the action what's the thought that's fueling the action oh the thought is people that's the people pleaser all right then i can choose to 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 do consciously please them and i'll enjoy doing that i realized that's just my that's just my act 
Right. I, I, I don't have to play that card right now. Right. Exactly. That's consciousness. That 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 is that's that's the power of observation, and that's wonderful. Yep. yep. And it's awareness. Consciousness awareness. And awareness. And I'll get into that a little bit more as we go along in our conversation. Uh, the, there's a difference about awareness and self-awareness and self-consciousness. Well, that's 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 definitely up my wheelhouse. Let's talk about those three distinctions. Right. Okay. So everybody thinks they're aware, and they are. But everybody then thinks they're also self-aware. But after I have a little bit of a conversation with them, they start to realize is that they're not really so self-aware. They're more like they're self-conscious. And the difference is, is huge. And once they learn the difference, it becomes something that they want to achieve, the self-awareness. So again, I have another card on it. Love it. All right. So to me, self-conscious, self-consciousness comes from a place of negative energy, guilt, conflict, and doubt. Self-consciousness is more outward-directed. It's being more concerned about what others are thinking of you and how the situation is going to affect you. You probably react to uncomfortable situations instead of respond. When you're self-conscious, you're questioning your decisions. There's a little more to it, but you get that. Self-awareness comes from a place of positive energy, acceptance, contentment, self-assuredness. Self-awareness is more inward-facing. You have an accurate and realistic understanding of how you are responding to situations and how you feel about things. You bet. That's uh, that's wonderful because that to me is a very, it's one of the basic fundamentals of spiritual development is to be able to observe what's going on. I, I use the analogy is that you're sitting in the movie theater and you're watching the movie screen of life and it's playing out in front of you through your five senses and you're there with your bag of popcorn drinking whatever you want to be drinking, watching the the play of life. Right. Versus I am the play of life. And most right. people, I am the play of life, and therefore the play of life beats me up and I don't feel satisfied. Yet what you described as being able to step back, see what's going on, notice the energy, notice the emotions, notice the thoughts being stirred up inside of you. That's right. It's the scene of the movie. And then you're conscious enough to, I can press the go or the stop button. Right. And boy, if you can control the go or the stop button, then you can go to God and stop to the devil. Then (laughs) you you don't have control of it. Exactly right. And you know, the old me, what I learned about once I started to unpack this people please are a part of me, which came about as a result of about 30 years of doing that. And then in 2003, my wife and I decided that we're going to start a new project. She came to me and she said, you know, you just closed the business. You're looking for something to do. I just started playing tennis and I could never find any courts anywhere near where we live. Maybe we should open up a tennis center. Sure. So now, I mean, here's the another ironic thing. I'm not an athlete. So much so you could call me an athletic supporter. <laughs> <laughs> but here she is. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm a people pleaser. I want to make her happy. Of course. So let's go down this road. Yep. And we start this five-year journey to decide that we're going to build a tennis center. 
We go out, we get a feasibility study, and they go, yeah, it'd be great. You have room, you could put seven, eight, and it'll have it's the right location down by the Jersey Shore. Great wow. idea, but it's not going to bring you a ton of profit. You need to add other things like a membership, like a gym, and other things, uh, spa, blah, 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 all these things. Like, oh, okay, well, let's go find an architect. Let's go find the land. Let's go find engineers. And what started out as an idea of putting up seven or eight tennis courts oh my turned into a hundred plus thousand square foot tennis and health center that would cost $15 million, <laughs> right? And it takes us five years because you got to get the land. You got to get the architects and the engineers. Then you go to the city and they go, oh, wait a minute. You got to do a, you got to do civil engineers. How is it going to affect the traffic? How do you have enough parking? All those things. The wetlands. What about the, what about the animals in the wetlands? <laughs> exactly. Come on. Luckily, I didn't have that issue. Come on. <laughs> but, but so now I'm down this road and we're putting money in it. Yep. Doing, yeah. Paying everybody out, getting investments and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I was plus $3 million into it, three and a half million dollars into it. And I'm like, okay, where do we go from here? So finally, I'm going to the banks over the years and they're like, yeah, we love it. When you're ready, we're ready for you. And this was in the mid 2000s, 2005, six, seven, when the lending out there was like going to Costco and having lunch from the ladies on the ends of the, you know, where they give you the free samples. Sure. That's what they were doing in the banks. They were handing you money. People were refinancing their houses and going back, you know, the subprime loans, they were giving money for anything. And, oh, yeah, you valued it at 500? Well, now we'll give you 700. Oh, come back, we'll do a million. Like a year later. And like, this is how I was funding the project, as well as getting other people investment and all that. So now in 2008, we finally get all the approvals. We go to the bank. And they're like, yeah, we're not lending. I'm like, what are you talking about? Last year, you were handing them out like it was water. Well, things are changing. A month later, Bernie Badoff, the subprime loans finally exploded. And just like that, the financial crash of 2008. And I was one of the main victims in my life. I was the number one victim <laughs> of that. And uh, overnight, I lost everything. I stopped paying my mortgage. I stopped paying my car payments. A few months into it, my my son says, Dad, they're towing your car because I was being repossessed. That never happened to me. Right. My house was foreclosed on, but luckily I lived in New Jersey and they were so backed up on foreclosure that it took them years till they finally finalized the foreclosure. But you can imagine I went into a pretty deep depression you based bet. on what was going on there. You bet. That's a, that's a big... That's a big thing to see in the movie of life, sitting there yes. eating your popcorn, to be able yes. to stay stable and mentally stable and to deal with that outer world kind of stuff. Yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't an, I wasn't in that mode of being an observer. I didn't <laughs> understand what that meant. Now I do. And I, I practice it pretty much all the time. Wonderful. But I was deep into it. And I'm like, why is everything happening to me? And it took me about a year to say, okay, now what am I going to do with my life? And I decided I don't want to be a businessman anymore. I want them to do something different. And I said, what do I want to do? Well, I've been involved in community events. And as a leader, I was showing people 
how they could come in and give me a little time into our organizations, whatever it was, and they could be productive. So I realized I was a life coach. So why not go out and get certified and become a life coach? So that's what I decided to do. And about two months before it was time for coach training to start, it was my 24th wedding anniversary. And my wife said, I'm done. I want a divorce. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. Everything keeps happening to me. What the heck? And I think God tapped me on the shoulders and said, you want to become a life coach? You got to go through some. You you got Now's the time. You're at the lowest point. You got to figure out what's going on in your life. Figure out what you're doing and where it's coming out of it. And I read this book that the, the school had sent us a list of books to read. They said, read a few of them. And one of them was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. You know that book? I love that book. Yeah, I love it. I love, the, book is, the book is uh, God's word. Yeah, very, very it's beautiful. like the Bible for me. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. <laughs> and when I read Don't Take Anything Personally, I finally started to understand that this is who I was. As a people pleaser, I took things personally. I was a control freak. I needed recognition for everything I was doing. I needed to be validated. And worst of all, when those things weren't happening, I had a very short temper. And I would blow up like a like a like an explosion, coming like sure. a like nuclear sure. explosion. Yeah. Reactive. You are radio, you are radio reactive. Exactly. Leave fallout all over the place. Right, right. I, I, that uh, we should just underline and go back and, and visit that one about you don't want to take anything personally. Yeah. My observation after being around for a number of years is everybody takes everything personally. Yeah. Uh, and and if you take it personally, you lose your power to uh, control the situation uh, because um, hey, it's personal. You know. It's, it's like, <laughs> Well, as long as you know it's personal, then you know you're in trouble. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's really where things started to change for me. Because I understood now that my emotions, because I took everything personally, were controlling me. Right, right. I needed to learn how to control my emotions so that I would be in charge of myself instead of my emotions and everybody else around me. You bet. Yeah, and that's what happened when I went through coach training. It opened the door for me. I walked in that first weekend saying, okay, I'm open. I'm ready. I'm raw. I got to figure out what's going on. And they said, you don't have to be who you think you have to be. You could be whoever you want to be. And I was like, oh, wow, really? I don't have to be that people pleaser? And I started to unravel these things of the people pleaser that I figured out that that's who I was. You know, it's like anybody with an addiction. They don't want to admit that they're that person. It's like, I'm not a people pleaser, but really I was. And it was coming to terms with that and admitting it and saying, I got to change. And that was where my journey started. And after a few years, I started, I was coaching first as a divorce recovery coach. I wonder why. You have credibility there. Right. And I was starting to enjoy life again. And one day I was doing something that I'm not very good at because I'm ADHD. I was meditating. Imagine an ADHD guy sitting still for 10 minutes. <laughs> what is this going to be over? <laughs> you know? Even if it was guided meditation, I couldn't, I, it was hard. But one day I had this download of information that I was loving everything that was going on in my life. 
And I wanted to share it with others. And when I finished meditating, I wrote for two hours. And what came out of that was the acronym LIFE. Live incredibly full every day. And what that was is me saying, I want to show people how they can be happy and have a meaningful life. So some people could be happy without meaning and some people be doing meaningful things and not be happy. And living credibly full every day means that you're, you're encompassing both of those things on a daily basis. Beautiful. Beautiful. We have a few minutes, so why don't we go into the, 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 the life distinction? Mm-hmm. And uh, when we talk about it, think about people listening and what they can do, actions they can take, are states of mind you'd like to have yes. that is the motivator for the, the outside action. Right, right. So um, when my kids were going to school, they would come home and they would tell me about the firemen that came into school to teach them about fire safety. Yep. And they said, Daddy, they taught me three words to happen in, when, the, when the fire happens. Alan, you remember what those words are? Uh, something with roll. Stop. Go down and roll or and something. Roll. What Stop, is it? Drop and roll. Stop, drop and roll. Right. So I realized that what I needed to do in my life was to come up with a system that was similar to that for my my overreactions. So I changed it to stop, think, and respond. For example, most of my conversations were confrontations because I had my I had my defenses up and I was ready to battle anybody that wanted to come after me because I was taking everything personally. Now that I- Not only that, I bet you were right. You were, I'm right and I'm taking it personally. Exactly, I'm always right. I understand. So am I, by the way. I'm never wrong, my wife said. Never been wrong in my entire life. (laughs) Ask my ass wife, she'll tell you. You gotta laugh. I used to say, everything was my fault, even world hunger, as far as my wife was concerned. My ex-wife's. But joking, you know, joking aside, I realized that I needed to recognize when I was going to go into that mode of fight. Yep. And I needed to change it. Yep. And becoming aware. Yep. And self-aware instead of self-conscious. Yep. So what I would do is someone would attack me or I would think that I was getting attacked. And I'd say, wait a minute. Stop. Yep. And then I'd say, think. Am I taking this personally? Is it about me? Or maybe something's going on in their life that they're projecting onto me. Yep. Or maybe something else. Who knows? Yep. And how about if I respond instead of react? Yep. So that I have conversations instead of confrontations. And I started that, that's to a good, that, that, that's that. Let's stop. That, that's a good thing people can remember. Yeah. Have conversations rather than confrontations. So you you say say I think that's worth well repeating. Right. So for me, I would always find myself in a confrontational mode because my defenses were up. I was mad. I was taking it personally. So I was ready to confront. So I was always having confrontations. So I needed to learn to change from confrontations to conversations. Where That's it was, really good. That's really instead really of justifying good. whatever was going on, I would advocate or I would have a conversation and understand 
that yep. it's not black and white. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But I, I, in my world, I, I look at the the confrontation comes out of your conditioning. Um, and oh, your yeah. conditioning is the egos, the web of thoughts that's created the experiences, the programming, the teachers, the parents. And as you begin to practice meditation, mm-hmm. one way, you right. begin to aerate that that uh, constipated ball of egoic thoughts and <laughs> right. the air begins to flow through a little bit more. There's more space around those thoughts. And you realize that I've been a storm door for 40 years and it's better to be a screen door to allow the energy to flow back. And oh, forth. I love that. And so the, the screen door, what's the difference between the two? The screen door has holes in it. Mm-hmm. Well, what's a hole? A hole is a moment of, stillness right and meditation is achieving you know deeper levels of stillness mm-hmm. in my business martin i'm in the the speaking business where we tell the we train them to be able to consciously erase the sounds that you would have spoken and then look at what that empty space is right and that empty space is I, I took something out, I took something out, and I put nothing in. Mm-hmm. And nothing is just empty space. Wow. And Fantastic. so, and that's available to everybody. I call it yeah. mindful, spacious speaking. And in order to do it, you got to be here in the moment in order to do it. Yes, you have to be mindful of where you are at that moment. Be mindful and present. And that's then it. you wake up. Yeah, that's right. And then you can choose. Am I going to attack this person? And why will I want to attack this person? Or am I going to be compassionate and loving? Right. Absolutely. And for everybody out there, it doesn't happen overnight. I didn't go from being a reactor to a responder overnight. I wish I could have. But it takes, number one, it's not sustainable. Number two, you need to practice it. You need to retrain your brain to understand the things that you were doing before are not working even though you think you're right, you're not all the time. And that it's okay to admit and be vulnerable and recognize those weaknesses that you have and ask for help and be open to hearing other people's feedback. So for me, it was making that shift slowly. And I created a system where I would score myself uh, as how I'm doing. Wonderful. You know, wonderful. And, and it came from a game I used to play when I was a kid with my friends. It was called five, three, one basketball. You'd be at the, at the, at the um, foul line and you took a shot. You yep. hit it, you got five points. Then wherever you got the rebound, you took the shot. That was three points. And then when you took a layup, you got another point. And if you got all nine points, then you get, you get the extra point for a perfect 10. So I took it and I reversed it. I said, if you stop, Give yourself a point. If you think about the way you're going to react, give yourself three points. And then if you respond instead of react, give yourself five points. So now imagine you had a confrontation yesterday. And today you're thinking about it and saying, I can't believe I I learned this thing and I didn't do it. Okay. Well, Alan, you have a chance to do something about it. So if you, you stop just now and you thought about it, Give yourself a point. Think about it. What could I have done differently and made it a conversation instead of a confrontation? 
And then number five, if you can go back to that person and say, you know what? I'm sorry for the way I reacted. Please forgive me with no excuses, with nothing back in return. And just saying, I apologize. Please accept my apology. I'll try to be better, do better next time. So that that is that's a you that's a whole university course right there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's you know a, that's a big the deal. Late, the late Randy Posh wrote the uh, the last the last lecture. Yep. Because he knew he was going to die, and he talked about the apology. It's it, giving an apology without asking for anything back, without giving excuses. You know, I'm sorry, but you started. You got me going. No, I'm sorry for what I did. This is what I did wrong, and I'll try to do better next time. And asking for forgiveness. And ask for forgiveness. Is a uh, the forgiving yourself and forgiving other people for the sins that they have done that you illusion in your own conditioning think That's they right. have done. Uh, it's hard to forgive that because I have to give up my righteous wrath. <laughs> exactly uh, right. Are, and it's undeserved and unjustified. Uh, however, I will. But you're not entitled to my forgiveness because you really don't deserve. So the mind <laughs> rationalizes, like you were saying, that justifies me not not forgiving. But I look at if you right. don't forgive, then you're swimming through life with with grievances and cannonballs and complaints about the world, right. and it right. just weighs you down rather resentment. than you are released. Yeah, and resentment. Resentment's a big part of it. Yep. And forgiveness is. More about you than the other person. You bet. So, yeah, 100%. I agree with that 100%. I, 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 I go so far as to say uh, the reality that I experience outwards is a projection of my own mind. And if I exactly. see things out there which are negative, uh, then I damn well better take a look what's going on inside myself. Because if it's negative, I don't love it. And That's if right. I don't love it out there, then I don't love it inside. But inside is what projected it out there. So I better go inside and find out where where that unlovable little thought is came from so I can I, I can love it and heal it. That's right. One of my one of my mentors, her name is Genevieve Davis, writes these books on on magic. And her number one book is the first book she wrote is called Becoming Magic. And the magic is within you. She says the world is as you see it. So if you want to see it as negative and downtrodden and full of problems, that's what you'll see. Whoever the president is, whoever, whatever's going on in the world, it has nothing to do with any of that. But if you see the world as a wonderful place and put on those rose-colored glasses, and I recommend that you do put on those rose-colored glasses and go out there and look for the opportunity, look for the beauty, look for the happiness, it'll find you. Absolutely. I, I, it's a... Uh, uh, you're you're speaking very wise, um, ancient, old, it, of wisdom that is like, of course, this is the way it works. It's in the Talmud as well. Yep, it's the religious books, the the the, Christ, the Christian books, the Buddhist books, right. um, and they all sort of point to this this uh, empty space. Uh, they call it God, the space that contains nothing, but it also contains everything. Everything. And our identity is just a just an object like a Christmas tree ball on the on the tree, right? Uh, hanging in space that you think it's all you are, <laughs> but as you aerate that ego stuff and you relax and forgive, all of a sudden you 
shift from the storm door to the screen door and you no longer resist. Right. Exactly. I love that. I love that analogy. Fantastic. So, yeah. So I created that way of giving people a chance to forgive themselves as they're going through this process, because you're never going to be a hundred percent. You can get close to it. There's no such thing as perfection. And it's okay to go back and tell somebody I made a mistake. Yep. I reacted when I should have responded. You're building a relationship with that person when you do that. You're rebuilding a relationship even many times. Wow. Well, Martin, I want to thank you. We are we have a we've had a wonderful conversation. Thank you. A, a valuable conversation. Yes, we have. That takes some of the the golden nuggets and diamonds of spirituality and i like the way you shine your light on on it and illuminate it in 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 your speaking and the speaking comes from experience Mm -hmm. not just from a book that you read so you're able to take your experiences and articulate them in a in an energetic energetic enthusiastic a way it's very it's very much of a a life coach kind of a thing an enthusiastic champion Thank uh, you. To, to support people in progressing and healing themselves so that they experience life as a cup half full. Right. Rather than a cup half empty. Exactly right. I look at it as the cup is always full. I love it. I love on. it. The cup is it's always full. full. Always full. Yeah. And uh, it's always, always empty uh, it, because it's, <laughs> they both they both dichotomy. So can you That's deal true. with the both? Then you then you're happy whether it's empty and you're happy whether it's full. Hey, it makes exactly. no difference. Which is another one of uh, of um, of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's four agreements. Don't make any assumptions. Don't have any expectations. So just, you're really hitting some good ones here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Just the, the, the some people ask me. Oh, I can't meditate. You know, I can't keep my eyes closed, and and I, I in my body. No, 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 no. And I'd say, well, uh, one of the the rules that I would incorporate is uh, enter into whatever meditation you do and say to yourself, "I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes, and I have no expectations." Exactly. That was when it changed for me because yeah. I thought I had to be. Not thinking, not anything. It's whatever works for you. Right. Don't have any expectations of what you think it should be. Right. And let me also uh, let folks know that you have you have authored books and you have those cards that look pretty cool. How, yeah, do, you, yeah. how do you get a hold of the cards and how do you get a hold of your books? So I made it very simple. You can go to connectwithmartin.com. Go there. You'll see a link to get the book. You'll see a link to get the cards. There'll also be a link for free gifts. Like imagine a a coloring book for adults or for kids. I have one for each on the seven steps to an abundant mindset, abundant Mm. warrior mindset. Coloring book. That's good. Get the body involved in it. You know, colors, flashy, Hollywood, Las Vegas. All right. Right. And, And it's okay to color outside the lines. We're not kids anymore. We don't have to listen to the teacher. It says stay in the lines. Don't uh, do what you want. Nobody, there's no rules. And there's also a link if you want to find out more about me or make an appointment to meet with me. They're all there. Show us a copy of the book cover. There you go. All right. Warrior to warrior. That's nice. Little double words there. It's good. Number Number one bestseller on Amazon. I'm very proud of that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and, and the card, show us the deck of cards again. 
And that's on, that's on Amazon too. Uh, actually, you go to the connectwithmartin.com. I haven't put it up on Amazon yet, but you can get it on connectwithmartin.com. Wonderful. Well, Martin, Salama, I want to thank you very much for being a wonderful guest on the Mindful You podcast. And it was just, it, I, I feel I've eaten so much sweet candy in my pimples on my face because <laughs> you have such beautiful words and beautiful distinctions and concepts. It's like, it's like being in a candy store. So thank you for feeding my sugar addiction today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I was able to. I hope you haven't gotten too fat. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Martin. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.